Hi, it's Terry Franklin. I'm here to tell you a story on this podcast that's called The Last Will of Lucy Sutton, an antebellum interracial love story. This is a story about a family, an American family, a story about American history, and my history in particular. It's the story of how my great-great-great-great-grandfather, John Sutton, who was a white farmer in Florida, owned my great-great-great-great-grandmother, whom he described in his last will and testament as his mulatto slave Lucy, aged about 45. The will, also identified as John's property, Lucy's eight children, beginning with Easter, aged about 27, all the way down to the youngest child, and all of Easter's six children, Lucy's grandchildren, down to little Mahala, who was 14 months old when the will was done on January 24th, 1846. Now I have a sense that the ancestors have been rising up, compelling us to share their stories, to get them down, recorded. And I feel that sense of urgency even greater as I realize that we're living in the midst of a global pandemic, which makes me think about the fact that um, all of us who are here today to tell or hear this story may not be around. And that's why it's important that we record our ancestors' stories and uh, get them down so that they can be remembered in the future. Now this story about my own family is one that's become so intertwined with my life over the last few years that I realize it really could start just about anywhere. But I always like to start it with my great-aunt Viola. And my great-aunt Viola was turning 100 in 2014. And her name was Viola Krim Walker, and she was an extraordinary person. She was born in 1914, at a time when many African-American women didn't have the opportunities to do things like go to college. My Aunt Viola walked four miles each way to get to Southern Illinois University, where she got her degree. Another interesting thing about my Aunt Viola was that she was married to a man named William Harold Walker. We called him Uncle Harold. And uh, William Harold Walker was actually a Tuskegee Airman. And the story goes that Aunt Viola went with Uncle Harold down to Tuskegee before he left to go to Europe. And she was one of the teachers who taught the children of other Tuskegee Airmen down at Tuskegee. Now, she was always the person who was kind of a matriarch of the family. She made sure that she kept track of birthdays and everything. She was my grandmother's sister. And long after my grandmother passed away, before I was born, Aunt Viola was always, um, even after my great, after my grandmother died, my Aunt Viola would always stay in touch. She'd call my mom regularly once a week and stay, make sure that she chatted with her. Well, in 2014, Aunt Viola was turning 100, and I wanted to do something special to commemorate the life of this person who had been a guiding influence and a matriarch for a family. 
and I wanted to think of something that would be significant and important. And I remembered that I had seen a document in 2001. This was about 13 years before this uh, great aunt's um, birthday. I had gone to a family reunion, and it was, you know, we have these family reunions, African Americans. And we get together and share with each other and get a chance to connect and tell stories. And I had gone to a family reunion in 2001 in Chicago. And at that family reunion, I had seen within the reunion materials a page of typed hand, some, uh, uh, it was a, a typed up page. But it was typed with a cursive font as if somebody who was typing it had wanted to try to create the impression that the document that they were transcribing was handwritten. And uh, so some relative of mine had included in these reunion materials back in 2001 this little excerpt from a will. And it was clearly a will of a man named John Sutton. And it said that uh, this original of the will was recorded in Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida, and that a copy of the will was also recorded in Ware County, Georgia. And um, this was apparently a copy that had been recorded in Pope County, Illinois, where the family apparently had claimed their freedom. And uh, some relative of mine, I think it was probably my mother's cousin Georgia or uh, Florence Moreland, had done some research in Southern Illinois and had found this transcript, uh, this partial uh, excerpt of this will from 1846. And I had seen it in the reunion materials in 2001, and I sort of put it out of my mind, but in 2014, when my great-aunt Viola was turning 100, I remembered that I had seen that little excerpt, and it had listed these names and ages of these family members, and I thought, what a fitting tribute that might be to um, find that will if I possibly could. There was a planned reunion that was going to take place in Centralia, Illinois, which is where my aunt Viola lived, but we were going to all gather as a family in St. Louis, which was the closest airport and the closest city, on the Saturday, and then the Sunday we were going to go visit with Aunt Viola and wish her a happy birthday and surprise her at her church. Well, a couple of weeks before we were going to set off on that family reunion to celebrate Aunt Viola's birthday, I got it in my head that I wanted to try to track down that copy of that will from 1846. Now I should say that for a living, I am a trust and estates litigator. I had been for about 25 years when I discovered this will, and what that means is that I do will contests, family disputes, things like that. It also happens to mean that I'm a fellow in the American College of Trust and Estate Council. Now it's a selective group that is limited to about 2,500 lawyers in the country who do trust and estates work. And as it happened, uh, I was the only African-American fellow in the college in 2001. Um, and in 2014, when I went looking for the will, that still was true, but we've done a little better since then. But in any event, in 2014, I knew that I had access to a directory because I was a fellow in ACTEC. And in that directory, I could find lawyers from across the country who 
would be likely to help out if I had a question or an inquiry about something that was going on in their town or jurisdiction. So I opened my directory and I picked a couple of lawyers who were in Duval County, which is where Jacksonville is the county seat. And I picked a couple of people who seemed like they were around my age and I called and I left them a message and I explained that I was from Los Angeles and I was trying to track down a copy of a will that was recorded in the records at a particular book and page number that was referenced in that excerpt in the reunion materials. And I wanted to try and track down a copy of that will. So I left a message for a couple of lawyers there in Florida. And when, without waiting too long, I got a message back from one of the lawyers. And she said that there was a fire in Jacksonville in 1901 that destroyed virtually the entire city, the Great Fire of Jacksonville. And she explained that it was likely that I wouldn't be able to find any records that predated 1901. I was disappointed, needless to say, but a few minutes later, I also got a message from a paralegal. And she told me that she'd been asked by the lawyer that she worked for to uh, answer my call and see if maybe there was something she could do. And I called her back and I explained to her what I was looking for, that I had the book and the page number for a particular will from 1846. And I was hoping to see if I might possibly be able to track it down. And she, her name was Ann Tatum, sweet lady, said, well, there was the fire in 1901. I said, yeah, I, I heard about the fire and I know you're probably not going to be able to find anything. But, but she said after I explained to her that I was trying to track it down for my great aunt's 100th birthday, she said, it was the fire, but let me see what I can do. Well, by the end of that day, I had a voicemail back. Actually, it was an email from Ann Tatum, and she said, we found a John Sutton file. We don't know if it's the right one, but we should have it by Friday. Friday of this week. So that Friday morning, I went into work, and I turned on my computer, and I had a message from Ann Tatum, and it said, we found it. It's the right John Sutton file. We have it. Call me. So I called her up, and I was all excited, and I said, you know, you found it. And she said, yeah, we, we actually tracked it down. And she said, what do you want me to do with the file? And I said, take pictures. And she said, what about all this stuff? She said, I said, just take pictures of the will. So a little while later, coming through the internet in 2014, I saw these images that came from 1846. The first one I saw was this crimson red wax seal on the outside of an envelope and it wasn't an envelope like we'd think of it, it was really just a piece of paper that was folded over three ways and sealed with this red wax. I saw that image come through the internet and a few minutes later I saw the image of this two-page document front and back and handwritten in this beautiful sepia-colored script and marked at the end with something that looked like a little cross. And it was written above, you know, marked by John Sutton. So the lawyer had, uh, uh, had John sign the document by marking it with an X. And the lawyer test, 
uh, was attesting to the fact that it was his signature, so John was probably sick if he actually could read. So here I was, the week before I'm going to go see my great aunt, and I suddenly have a copy of this will, this image from 1846. And I took it to the little mini family reunion and I shared it with uh, everyone there. And one of the comments that one of my younger relatives said, uh, you know, because I was pointing out that we were calling our family reunion group the Crim Sumner Singleton Olson group. But we didn't have the name Sutton in it. And so I was suggesting that now that we had this little bit of evidence that our ancestor had in fact been John Sutton, that maybe we should include the name Sutton on our family reunion title. And this young cousin of mine said, wait, I don't think I like the idea of us calling ourselves after our slave master, some white man who raped our ancestor. And he had a point. We didn't know what the state of their relationship was, for lack of a better term. What we knew was he was a white man, that he owned Lucy. He had all control over her. Could there be a relationship that could exist? We know by our standards that there was no consent because Lucy could not say no to John Sutton. The fact that they had eight children together, um, whether that was with consent or not, we don't know, but we know that uh, there was no consent on that on Lucy's part. But what did that mean? The document indicated that John didn't have a wife. It didn't say John Sutton has a spouse or has any children or John Sutton formerly had a wife or children from a previous relationship. And anybody who's a good estate planner knows that you include some basic biographical information like that in the will so that you reduce the chance that someone will challenge it or raise issues because you have these specific facts there. So John didn't have any family that was indicated in the will. All he had was property, Lucy and her eight children and six grandchildren. And they were all being set free, emancipated. The will said that they were to be emancipated and removed to a free state, a foreign country or Ohio, Indiana or Illinois where they could enjoy their freedom. Illinois is obviously where they ended up. So when this young cousin of mine asked me the question, um, you know, should we really be honoring somebody who was probably the rapist of our ancestor, I was taken aback, but I said, you know, you raise a good point. But is it possible that there was something that existed between them, at least John saw it to it that the family was emancipated after he died. He did do the will, and I kind of like the idea of giving Lucy some sense of agency, that maybe she convinced John to make sure that she would be free once he was dead, and that her family would be free. And that was a positive thing, and and I think Lucy used the name Sutton after John was gone, so it wasn't like the name Sutton wasn't one that was used by our African-American ancestors. So that was just something that caused me to ponder. 
But that nature of that relationship between John and Lucy, that was sort of an ongoing wonder for me. I kept thinking about it and wondering, could there have been a relationship between these two people, master and slave? Could Lucy have had the strength to overcome whatever craziness might have been going on in 1846 and had the presence of mind to see to it that once John was gone, that she and her family would be free? At least that's how I wanted to think of it. And the more I thought about it, the more I decided maybe there was a relationship between them. At least that's what my Pollyannish mind told me. So I decided I would write an article which led me on the next step on my path. I'll tell you about that next time.